Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com, the divisional round betting preview for the ALDS and MLDS. Here with Monawara, at Monawara on Twitter. It is at Monawara on Instagram. We have confirmed that on back-to-back episodes. How about it? An easy task is now accomplished. And you can follow me on Twitter, same Twitter account, same Instagram handle, at Eli Herskovich. Look at that continuity. Before we get started, remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the lines releases a new sports betting video on any market, including our NFL betting previews each and every week. We do two of them, beat the closing number, and we just released our Thursday betting podcast with our NFL Week 5 best bets along with One of the best voices in the industry, Eric Eager from Sumer Sports. So be sure to check that out ahead of making your week five picks. Mo, we are a day away from the ALDS and NLDS. Rob Manfred has failed to schedule baseball on a day where there are pretty much no important games going on. Sorry, college football fans, if I'm offending you and betters for that matter. What the hell is going on? Only the people around me, uh, only Nebraska people are upset. Well, I think they have, I think they should be concerned about their football team personally, (laughs) but maybe that's Nebraska basketball, man. For those of our viewers and listeners that don't know, I'm a big college hoop head. And I think Fred Hoiberg may have a team this year, at least middle of the pack, maybe contend any of the big 10 tournament, something like that. I've heard that before. So (laughs) not going to get excited, but I would like to go see a meaningful game here in Lincoln. That's a nice arena. Hey, not that we want to make this a Nebraska-focused betting podcast, but for those of our listeners and viewers that don't know, check out the Lions Discord channel. I have both of my college basketball futures in there, and maybe I'll just give a little bit of a tease, even though it kind of gives it away. My One of my two futures bets is on the other main Nebraska basketball team. Just saying. Just saying. I hope Mo has placed the bet. I hope, and I hope you go watch that team this year, too. They were good last year, and they're going to be even better. But I digress. I could talk college basketball all day. So let's get into these four series. Orioles and Rangers, Astros, Twins, looking at the two American League Division Series, Braves, Phillies, heck of a series to break down in a bunch of different ways, and Dodgers, D-backs, I am depressed to talk about that one, but we'll get to it last, as Mo well knows. So before we get into it, like I mentioned, give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell. Also subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can also check out the Lines promo with BetMGM. If you are a first-time user with BetMGM Sportsbook and at least 21 years old and in the state where it's legal, has legalized sports betting, you can get your BetMGM bonus code, the Lines, when creating your new account up to $1,500 back via a bonus bet if your first bet loses. Terms and conditions apply. More details over at thelines.com. So like I alluded to, no games here on Friday. We saw all four wildcard series and in sweeps. Now we start with the Orioles and Rangers. Baltimore minus 120 is the series price. Texas, even money. I think there are some plus 110 still out there, but pretty much minus 120 even money is the consensus series line, especially at Bet MGM, or at least with that book specifically. I have a question to 
begin this series for you, Mo. And I was kind of hemming and hawing with it. And we'll break down all the angles in the particulars with Baltimore and Texas. On the surface, do you find any similarities between maybe this is me just kind of looking at this price blindly and you know, I don't gravitate towards favorites by any means. I'm not one of those batters. And I hope our viewers and listeners know that by now, especially with the disgusting NFL bets I have this week, any similarities between the Baltimore Orioles and the Denver Nuggets, just from the standpoint that you have two of the better teams in their respective leagues and Baltimore being priced this low in terms of the series odds. I know that Texas is coming off a beatdown pretty much of the Tampa Bay Rays. What do you make of my initial point here? Well, um, I think that when you look at a team like the Denver Nuggets, they obviously had very, very high end talent. Um, you know, league MVP, best player in the world type of guy. Uh, I don't see talent like that on the Orioles. Uh, so, not really following it, but I am following it in the sense of like the market hasn't been really accurate with the Orioles all season until probably like the last month of the season. I think the Orioles betting the Orioles was probably unprofitable in the final month or so. But before that, you could just print betting the Orioles basically every game. So uh, in that sense, yeah, and and kind of the same way with the Nuggets. I I hammered the Nuggets every series in the playoffs until the finals last year. So I, I get it in that sense. Right, and I'm not talking about personnel-wise. There really is no comparison there, with the exception of Gunnar Henderson winning AL Rookie of the Year. I guess you have one award winner, but you don't have the league MVP on this roster. You certainly have a questionable pitching staff, at least being the top team in their respective league to go into the playoffs. I was just talking from a market standpoint, not to get our listeners and viewers confused, but on the onset... Looking at the particular pitchers for Baltimore, especially in the bullpen. No Felix Bautista, their all-star closer, who had Tommy John surgery late last month. He's out for the entire postseason, no matter how far Baltimore goes, obviously. Kyle Bradish starting for Baltimore in Game 1. They haven't announced it just yet, but you would expect that against Dane Dunning. So... Texas being lined as a plus 120 underdog or so. Baltimore right around minus 140 in game one. We'll see how the rest of the series goes. Pitching-wise, I don't think we'll see Max Scherzer, especially with the comments he made in the latter portion, or I think ahead of game two in their AL wildcard series against Tampa Bay. Seems to be more of an ALCS kind of thing if Scherzer is indeed back. And maybe even the World Series if Texas is able to advance that far Rangers obviously have the better lineup though but by how much uh, before we dig into the pitching matchups here I think it's by more than people think to be honest uh just because the Orioles dude the Orioles got so much mileage out of clutch hitting and just sequencing I, I think their offensive numbers like they scored more runs than their WRC plus says they probably should have. So uh, I think Texas does have the better offense here. Obviously gotten healthier. We talked about that before the Rays series, getting Josh Young back late in the season. Um, I think there was maybe a couple other injuries. Jonah Heim was out for a little bit, maybe before that. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Texas has a better offense and a better defense. So 
uh, well, they definitely have a better defense. They have one of the best defenses in, in Major League Baseball. The Orioles definitely do not. There are some metrics that really hated the Orioles' defense, actually. Um, but maybe it's like around average at best. Texas is very good, top five. I, I think the interesting part is when you get into the pitching staffs of these teams, though. Uh, it's It's a lot of uncertainty on both sides, to be honest. You have multiple Orioles starters that are roughly average if not below i have dean kramer i don't know what they're going to do with their their pitching staff i have dean dean kramer and kyle gibson both below average and grayson rodriguez like right at average so i'm not sure how that's going to shake out who they're going to trust to throw out there i don't think it's going to be john means i know he came back but he struggled didn't get any swinging strikes um didn't yeah just didn't strike anybody out basically i I would guess he's going to be a long man for this series but uh, yeah, Nate Ivaldi. I, I I went back and looked at Game Two um, in the Rays Rangers series just to see where his fastball velocity was sitting, and they don't have it uh, up at Baseball Savant unless I'm missing something. I had to go back and look at literally all his pitches and throw them in a spreadsheet. <laughs> Maybe I'm missing something here, but anyways, it came out to uh, 94.8, which I think is a little better. It's getting closer to where he was, which I think some people that have watched Yavaldi for multiple seasons might think that's very low, 94.8, but he was actually only sitting 95.3 this year, so it's only a half tick off where he was. He might be getting close to being back. Um, so if that's the case, I kind of like Texas here. I think they're the better team overall. I think bullpen is probably close with the Orioles' injuries. It should have been a big uh, edge for them, but if you're – Talking about mediocre relievers, I'd rather have mediocre relievers that have some experience uh, than what Baltimore has. So I, I think maybe a Texas is a little bit interesting, but it's not really enough for me to get there. I do like them in game one, though. I think Kyle Bradish was a very, very lucky pitcher this year. I think he's fine. Really? But yeah, like I like that Texas does not, not ever hit the ball on the ground, basically. I think they were second most uh, hitting fly balls this year. So... I think it's a good matchup for Texas. I, I like them in game one, but um, yeah, I know Bradish is probably better than Dane Dunning by a decent chunk, but at least I think Dane Dunning is okay in this spot. I'm kind of surprised you say that. I mean, Dunning has outpitched his peripherals and then some this year, 3.70 ERA, 4.27 FIP. And just for context, Bradish, 131 stuff plus over his final 35 regular season innings, which is ridiculous. I understand that he himself has outpitched his peripherals to an extent. By too, quite a bit, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's not nearly as much as Dunning. And I don't know. I think Dunning's pretty close now. His but, ERA was around 4.1, I think. And I have him projected around like 4.4 or 4.3, I think. So he's pretty close. Bradish has like a 2.8 ERA. I think he's probably a close to a four ERA true talent, to be honest. You really think the stuff between those guys is that close? Not that we want to similar to how we don't want to make this a Nebraska focused podcast. We don't want to make this a Bradish Duddy podcast, but yeah, I just think Bradish is a above average pitcher. I don't think he's an ace. You don't want him to be your number one. I, I would definitely say my concerns are more so lower in the rotation for Baltimore, but yeah, with Texas having the better offense and better defense, I, I think maybe plus one twenty is like really kind of pushing it. But if you can get plus one twenty five or better, I think that's a, a fine bet. 
And you mentioned the Rangers having more experience in the bullpen. That goes without saying. But at least Baltimore has maybe another option that they didn't expect. Or maybe they did expect Tyler Wells to come out of the bullpen at this juncture in the season. But with him back... And he closed the game down the stretch. I'm really curious to see how they use him, especially if they don't want to shift Cano's leverage role and move in, into the closure spot. He also had a save in the latter portion of the year in September. So if you want to keep Cano's role more defined and then use Wells as a potential closer, we've seen that before in the playoffs. Maybe not necessarily a starter, but... Guys that have either come back late in the season, and this is more, again, more of a surface-level comment here, but guys that have undefined roles and maybe are unexpected to be in that closer spot. Like, who was it for the Nationals in 2019 when they made their World Series run? Former White Sox reliever. Speaking of Dane Dunning, also another former White Sox pitcher. But going back to that Washington title, who closed for them in the playoffs? Do you do you recall? Well, their closer was... Daniel Hudson. Correct. Correct. And he wasn't necessarily the closer going into the playoffs. So just from the standpoint that sometimes you get these guys that step up, maybe Wells is that guy for them. And if he is, or even if he doesn't close, I think having his stuff, a starting level caliber pitcher, obviously, and then some, not that the market maybe didn't overvalue him at some junctures of this season and last season, Having a guy with that kind of stuff out of your bullpen certainly bolsters it, especially without Bautista for the playoffs. Like you said from the get-go, no one is replacing Bautista, but I think it does help. I think you could say that at the least. So just to wrap up our Texas-Baltimore conversation here, any bet for you on the series before we get to Houston and Minnesota? Not quite. I think I'm not quite there, but if you like Baltimore, I would understand it because I've definitely been too low on Baltimore all year. I think the market's been too low on Baltimore, I guess, but I kind of think Baltimore has definitely played better than their talent level. So uh, I'm a little skeptical. It'll continue. I'll be very curious to see how Baltimore not only employs their bullpen, but you mentioned we have no idea who starts in what game and for the Orioles, at least and Grayson Rodriguez, whether he starts at home or on the road, Texas got to him in May for, I think, eight or nine runs, and he was seemingly tipping his pitches in that game. I know at least one other team was able to get on him for that same issue in a start right along that timeline. So this series is fascinating on so many levels. I find both ALDS matchups to be more intriguing than the National League, even Phillies Braves, which might come as a surprise to some watching this, but on to the second series, Mo, one of two or two of two in the ALDS Astros and twins, Houston, a minus one sixty favorite over at that MGM Sportsbook, Minnesota plus one thirty. This is one of those series where I think they're kind of polar opposites of one another from a pitching and offense perspective, because Minnesota has the advantage not only from a starting pitching standpoint, but also in the bullpen, at least to me. And that's even with Joe Ryan potentially starting in game one. But Houston, if Toronto had an above average lineup and maybe a little, you tack a little bit onto that, Houston has an elite level lineup. So how are you approaching Astros twins? 
Yeah, this is a really interesting one. I, I think mainly because a lot of this series comes down to kind of how you view um, the Minnesota offense. Like, if you look at the numbers, Minnesota had just as good of an offense as Houston this year. Uh, definitely hitting right-handers better than Houston, which is pretty crazy. I think that's going to surprise a lot of people. I'm a little skeptical of it. Um, I think... So Astros didn't have Altuve and Jordan Alvarez for decent chunks of the season. I think that brings their numbers down somewhat. I also think Minnesota, they might be something to them underperforming their WRC plus numbers just because I don't, their strikeouts are just insane how much they strike out. So when you look at higher strikeout pitchers, I think they're going to thrive versus Minnesota. That being said, it's not a lot of that in Houston's team, to be honest. Like, Justin Verlander is not a big-time bat misser anymore. And Framber is just uh, a little above average, I think. So I think it's a decent matchup for Minnesota. I, they gave Astros, I think, a lot of trouble in the regular season, from what I can remember. The first game not is Not Joe very... Ryan, but other than Joe Ryan, my former Cy— not former, but I had a bet on him to win Cy Young this year, and that didn't go too well in the second half. But other than Joe Ryan, they gave Houston problems for sure. Yeah, and I'm also like, I know the bullpen. The bullpen on paper to me favors the Astros. They are deeper, and they have a closer who was um, more solid to me for more of the season. But, dude, Ryan Presley was really shaky down the stretch. So he blew some big spots for them when they really needed these games. Um I mean, they ended up winning the division anyway, but and literally every time I watched Joe Duran, he gave up a run until, of course, I had the Blue Jays uh, on my future. So, yeah, then he just lights out, not even allowing a base runner against the Blue Jays. But anyways, uh, I don't really trust this Minnesota pen. Although I will say, dude, Louis Varlin, like you were saying about bringing up starters and converting them, dude, Louis Varlin has been absolute lights out for them since they moved him to the pen to, like, handle his innings load and what whatever else they're doing so this is going to be a, a interesting one there's a really cheap astros at FanDuel. i was a little bit tempted by it but i think i'm just staying away from this one too series price wise no that's interest in game one either that's disappointing we get no bets for mo on either series i'm a little upset but obviously mo is a great handicapper and he knows I'm just messing with him. One of the best MLB handicappers I've really talked to and worked with on any podcast. And that is not me sucking up to him after maybe joking around and messing around a little bit. You can find all of Mo's baseball bets, by the way, in our Discord channel. Link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. couple different points I want to bring up to you and get your perspective on in this series. A, when it comes to postseason variance because if there's any sport that has variance in it and that's a word I like to throw around a lot and I think you do to maybe a lesser extent because Minnesota got their fair share of positive variance in the Toronto series with not only the Matt Chapman maybe could be or should be double in game one that easily could have tied the game that Taylor had that great catch on I think of the sixth. And then also in the sixth in game two, Chapman had a should be double down the line or that was inches or centimeters away from clearing the bases and potentially giving Toronto the lead, if not at the least tying the game. 
So take that into account, or at least I want to get your viewpoint on that and how to carry that over into a series in general. Is that something that we should, let's start there before I, before I follow up. Is that Minnesota getting lucky and maybe the market overvaluing them to an extent because of the fortune they got in that J series, considering that that lineup was above average, or do we take into account that that's baseball, that's variance. You still have Sony Gray. You have Pablo Lopez, who are who were two of the better pitchers in the second half, especially Gray. And when Lopez is right, unlike in the second half with Miami last year, and you can make the case that he was worn down, he looks fantastic. So were those two sequences more about just variance in general, and you can't make too much of that? Or... Do you come at it from maybe Minnesota got lucky and they won't have the same kind of results against an even better lineup? Um, I would say you just have to expect neutral luck overall. But if anything, from betting Minnesota all year, I would say they're just unlucky, to be honest. They were pretty bad sequencing in a lot of spots, I thought. But um, I think any interest in Minnesota is honestly just going to be because of what you brought up. People love betting, starting, pitching strong starting pitching teams in the postseason. Um, so it's always easy to look at postseason pitching staffs and say, these guys are going to give me seven innings. This is, you know, I like this staff. They have a better staff than Houston, but I think it's always important to dig deeper and look at bullpens. They play a bigger role than I think a lot of people realize. They especially play a bigger role. It's 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 really the opposite of what people think. The bullpens play a bigger role nowadays in the postseason than they do in the regular season, at least at the top of the bullpen. Because you can, usually because of days off and stuff like that, you're using your top bullpen arms more than you can as a percentage of innings than in the regular season. So it's really important to look at that stuff. That's why I'm a little worried about Presley and some spots of this. But the Astros just have a deeper bullpen, I think, than, than the Twins. Dude, Griffin Jacks is terrible. So and they still threw him out there in high leverage against the Jays. So they don't seem to realize he's terrible. So, I mean, I wish the Twins good luck. I mean, I hate the Astros, but I, I think that this price is about right, and the Astros should be decent favorites, but not overwhelming favorites. I don't think the Twins' usage of Griffin da- Jacks can be comparable to John Schneider's usage of the Jays' pitching staff, especially in Game 2, pulling Jose Barrios. Barrios? Barrios? I think it's Barrios, yeah. Okay, I always go back and forth on that. I can't believe they threw in Kikuchi. And then you couple that with Guerrero's base running blunder getting picked off. Man, that Jays team. I'm sorry to our boss, Brett Colson, for having to endure that. But overall, I agree. I don't think I'll have a bet on this series. Maybe I'll bet Gray, depending on the price when he goes, considering how good he's been in the second half. Kind of like a Blake Snell for me. At least in comparison, I know maybe you... Don't think Snell was as good as his stuff this year, but comparable to last year in the playoffs, especially in that Dodgers series, I was going to bet on Snell no matter what, especially if the game was going to be line minus 110 both ways, which I think it was in game three for San Diego or plus money for Snell. So I, I may end up betting Gray when he goes in this series. And just to kind of wrap it with the, uh, put a bow on Twins Astros, Byron Buxton, Went on the IL back on August 2nd with that strained right hamstring. Now it's seemingly going back to the knee for him. 
doesn't seem like going to get him in this series. And even if we do, what can we expect? I mean, Royce Lewis has been a stud, even though we talked down this Twins lineup quite a bit. But I don't think you can expect much from Buxton, and we're, we're definitely not going to see him in the field. Maybe some pinch-hitting appearances. Yeah, it's sad, man. You're <laughs> a guy that I at least love to bet. Maybe not this season, but pretty much a perennial <laughs> not an AL MVP candidate, but an AL MVP bet for me. And he always He's the pro-rated MVP candidate. That's so true. It's a great, it's a great way to put it. So collectively here, ALDS, both series. I think I'm gonna have a bet on the O's in game one. I'm higher on Braddish than you at least seem to be. And I'm much lower on Dunning between the two starting pitchers. So I don't think I can get there with a series bet on Baltimore, but I think I'll be betting the O's in game one. I like Texas a little bit, but I'm waiting for a, my, a plus 125 at one of mine books. But there are a couple out there. I think that's fine. So I guess uh, we're on opposites again. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll get to the first time we were on opposites in the postseason this year. And I still have some issues with that series. But we'll get to that in five or so minutes. And those of you who have listened to our NFL podcast already know what I'm talking about. But on to the NLDS and the more intriguing of the two series for sure. Atlanta minus 185 favorite against the Phillies. Philadelphia priced at plus 150. Red October. <laughs> I was about to say something, but I can't. One of our other <laughs> bosses, Steven Andres. I, I hate this slogan so much. So much. Maybe it has to do with my Chicago Bulls hatred because of C-Red. So it's kind of similar. But I I really have a gripe with any team that has a mantra slogan like this going into the playoffs. I can't stand it. And I we profited off the Phillies last year, if I remember correctly. At least in that St. Louis series. So I made money off the Phillies in October 2022. And I'm still annoyed at their run that they made last year because of the variance they got in game one of that wild card series against the Cardinals, scoring, what, seven runs in the ninth. The total somehow went over in that game. Not that I had a bet on the total. I did have the Phillies, though, on the money line, which is nice. But, my God, did they get fortunate. So Atlanta is a minus 200 favorite in game one. It's likely going to be Spencer Strider against Ranger Suarez. And Strider, you want to talk about pitchers out pitching there, peripherals that's the opposite for Strider because he had a 3.86 ERA and a 2.85 FIP so he was you're talking about a pitcher that was in the Cy Young conversation for much of the year so he was good but probably even better than the surface level number state Max Freed should be back with that blister issue that kept him out down the stretch Charlie Morton is out for the NLDS with another finger issue, except this is finger inflammation. Bryce Elder is or has already undergone the regression monster that is baseball peripherals pitching wise. Atlanta's offense. Not that you don't not that you need me to tell you this, Mo, but eight forty six OPS leading the league in that department this season. The team behind them, the LA Dodgers. 795 OPS. That is absurd after the Dodgers, the Texas Rangers at 790. And I can't believe this. I I mean, I was focused on baseball here and there, but just digging into some stuff, prepping for the podcast. Marcelo Zuno, 40 home runs is just wild. That shows you how deep the praise lineup is. Philly swept the Marlins in the wild card series, and that series was not even close. 
Miami had zero chance, especially when you don't have Sandy Alcantara to go. And he underwent his fair share of regression after winning the NL Cy Young. But Mo, I want to swing it to you. Atlanta has, even though they've had a successful season and one of the best seasons really in baseball history, especially offensively, they've had this series circled after losing the NLDS to the Phillies in 2022. How much of that do you take into account within your handicap? Not a whole lot. I think with baseball, it's a little different. You know, it, it's not really an effort game in the sense of like you can't try harder to hit the ball. Like when you hit the ball, it's just going to go where it goes. So, um, but definitely the Braves are going to be fired up. I would say maybe on the pitching side, uh, you might see some uh, higher velocity in some spots if some guys are amped up. So, um, I, I think this is a really exciting series from a viewing standpoint for sure. Last year, the Braves pitching basically fell apart. Uh, Multiple starters giving up, you know, four, five, six runs. It was just a disaster. Uh, the Phillies rightfully advanced um, and outplayed the Braves. But this year, I was feeling tremendous about the Braves until, honestly, the past month or so. Things have fallen apart a little bit again on the pitching side. Max Freed, so he threw a simulated game the other day. Um, I think they said he gave up a couple runs, but they thought he was overall good but I, I feel like they would just they would never say if he wasn't you know I think they said he gave up two runs in six innings or something who knows what that means I'm more interested you know was his velocity right you know stuff like that but like yeah, you're not gonna get that yeah like they're never gonna say if there's a problem <laughs> but it sounds like he's going in game two could you imagine if Atlanta released like in their media release Max Freed's velocity tipped three miles an hour or something like that? Yeah, if anybody could succeed with a three mile per hour velocity dip, it's probably Freed. But I like I have I, honestly I have Freed and Strider as like I think I have them rated as the two best pitchers when they're healthy right now. I mean besides Degrom, but he doesn't count right now. So, um, yeah, the Braves, dude, they just having Strider go twice in this series and having him face like Ranger Suarez, who's solid, but he's also left-handed. The Braves destroyed lefties this year yep. to like a ridiculous degree. And yeah, I mean, like you said, just to highlight one more, throw out one more stat if people are just want to be fascinated by this Braves offense. They're the first team in baseball history to slug 500. It's never happened before. That's wild. So, yeah, I mean, this Braves offense is obviously tremendous. It's obviously better than the Phillies. They have a better defense than the Phillies. I think they slightly have a better bullpen, although that's another thing. Dude, the Braves' bullpen was pretty rough down the stretch. They gave up a ton of runs final month or so. Rysel looked okay in some spots. Minter, dude, Minter had kind of a down season. I still think his stuff is incredible, and he should be fine, but we'll see how that goes. It's just overall a major question mark for me top to bottom with the Braves pitching just Strider is really the only one I'm like pretty confident and excited about right now I should be confident in Max Freed but we'll see if the blister thing is gone then yeah he's going to be great and the Braves have the two best pitchers and the Braves have the best lineup and the Braves should win but I would say honestly if anything in this series because the Braves have such an advantage in game one the bet I would maybe look to make is to try to see if you can get a really big price on the Phillies after game one because it's such a good spot for the Braves to get a win here. Maybe you can get a, a long price on the Phillies here when um, the more questionable parts of the Braves staff are coming up. You think this game one line, and you'll be the first to say when uh, minus 180, 
minus 200 favorite laying $2 to win a dollar essentially. Cause you listen to some podcasts and betters are saying you can't lay 200 in any sport. Well, if there's value in a number, there's value in a number. And if you make your own numbers, it really shouldn't matter. That's kind of where I think the line is drawn. Not that I'm going to be this elitist on any podcast because we both can't stand podcasts that have certain hosts like that. But what do you make of the game online with Strider going against Suarez? I think it's right. Um, I think, dude, I bet more favorites this year than I've ever bet in my life. So I used to be able to dude, five years ago, you could just bet half the underdogs on every board and you would probably make money. But I don't think that was the case this year. Um, yeah, I, I think it's right, man. Strider, like you said, he, his surface numbers do not even tell the tale of how good Strider is. I think he's probably the best pitcher in baseball. And um, I, I think, honestly, dude, he dominated the Phillies this year, like really bad. So I, the only thing I would be concerned about here is the Phillies did perform pretty good against sliders for the most part. So maybe maybe they have something in that spot. But, man, yeah, his fastball was devastating the Phillies this year. So I, I have a lot of confidence in Strider, but I just don't know, like I said, what is going to happen after Strider. I don't think you can be that confident in the Braves after Strider. I, I love Max Freed, and he's proven postseason uh, crusher. But if he's not right, then who knows? Yeah, we were touching on this before the podcast. Probably better than, at least I, I feel better. I know you're a Braves fan, so maybe you're just pessimistic. And by the way, Mo doesn't let his fandom get in the way of his bets. But I still feel better about Freed this year than last year considering we had no idea what to expect with what he had a flu bug or something like that. So finger issue blister granted it's kind of a variable in its own right. It is a variable unknown variable, but I still feel a little more positive about his game two projections. One last market I want to hit on before we get onto D backs Dodgers with this game one specifically you mentioned how over at FanDuel Sportsbook, there's a shortened Astros line, and we urge all of our listeners to get the best of the number. You can find all the best sportsbook promos over at thelines.com. If you're a first-time user and you only use one sportsbook, highly recommend you getting the best number and having a multitude of outlets for sure. Strider to get a win in game one is plus 127 over at Caesar Sportsbook. Any interest? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to bet the game, that seems fine. Okay, that's kind of what I wanted to end with. Maybe I did or didn't have that on my sheet before we got started, but I'm glad we glad we touched on it. All right, last series to hit on of the four best of five divisional series, Dodgers and D-backs, LA minus 210 favorite, Arizona plus 170. I'm so mad we didn't get Burr's Dodgers, man. Even if Woodruff wasn't going to go in game two, for or in this series at all. And it was just going to be Birds and Peralta and maybe Wade Miley, who pitched well against the Dodgers, despite that game not looking great from a final score standpoint. I would say the Dodgers got pretty lucky with a pretty low hard hit rate and then some. But I digress. I had a bet on that game and the Brewers are around plus 200 on the money line. So how do you trust anybody in this Arizona rotation outside of Zach Allen. I know Kershaw's stuff continues to 
digress. Not just this year. I mean, he was a pitcher I was looking to pay last year. Remember, I faded him against the Padres in game two of that NLDS matchup with you Darvish on the mound, who has taken a dip in his own right over the last couple seasons. And San Diego is a fascinating team to look at going into next year, considering how much they underperformed or maybe just got unlucky with their run differential when you look at a team like the Marlins got into the postseason. But Dodgers, D-backs, Mo, can Arizona make this a series at all, or did you just get fortunate with your Diamondbacks bat in game two? I'm just giving you crap, but what do you make of it? I think this is probably the series I I would bet if I was going to bet anything. Um, there was a minus 205, I think, on DraftKings this morning. And a lot of the rest of the market's like closer to minus 240. I, I think that's bettable. I think the Dodgers should be probably like minus 220 here. I, I don't give the Diamondbacks much of a shot, to be honest. Uh, I'm with you there. I, I do think Merrill Kelly's good. Like, I think he is. He's a above average pitcher. And uh, Merrill Kelly, multiple seasons now, just out pitching his FIP and his Sierra. I, I think that's predictive. But even those numbers are like above average. So not by a lot, but slightly. I, I think he's solid. So um, I can't Merrill get Kelly, behind him, though, in game one. Dude, he. I, the Against this Kershaw, lineup. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And Kershaw is left handed. And that's a major problem with. Diamondbacks, they stink hitting lefties. So this is another game one that I'm definitely thinking if you want to bet the Diamondbacks, I mean, you might as well just wait and see if you can get a massive price after Kershaw mows this lineup down. My fear for the Dodgers side, honestly, would be if they think Lance Lynn deserves a start. I don't know what they're going to do with their rotation either. Bobby Miller, I think, and um, I'm blanking on the other guy now, but uh, I think, oh, Pepio. Pepio's been crushing it man i he was like a walks machine i think he cleaned that up this year he looks really good i would rather throw bobby miller and pepio than than lance lynn for sure um uh, my fear with the dodgers would be that they would they would try to give lynn a start and i would be pretty concerned at that point um but the diamondbacks have a leak a weak link in their rotation too with brandon fod i mean i still think he could do great things someday but right now he's just a roughly average pitcher and he got wrecked by the Brewers, which is a bad offense. So, honestly, the only thing I'm seeing in this series that makes me wonder about the Diamondbacks, I don't think, I don't think Will Smith is going to be able to control the running game. He's a pretty bad catcher, I think, when it comes to throwing. So... I, with the way the Diamondbacks run the bases, they're so good and they put so much pressure on you. That's honestly the only worry I would have with the Dodgers because that's like, you're talking about not like one pitcher. Okay, maybe if they have an advantage against one pitcher, maybe the Diamondbacks would win one game. But Will Smith is going to be back there like every game. So that's something they can take advantage of like a lot of times in this series. If they're getting on first base a lot, they could be getting a lot of free bases on Will Smith. But um I still think the Dodgers should just roll here. They minus two Oh five, I think is probably worth a small play. We brought this up with twins Astros in terms of the positive variance that Minnesota got in the wildcard series. And this is me just looking at it from a neutral standpoint. I promise I'm not bitching anymore about brewers and their inability to hit with the bases loaded. All right. One last time. Had to get it. How many times in two games? (laughs) 
Yeah, three times. They man. loaded My. the bases like three or four times. Yeah, three times. They they loaded the bases four times. They did score in, in game two. But when you have bad hitters, game. you're not going to get those guys across as much. And the Brewers have bad hitters. The one thing I want to say. So we brought up, like I said, maybe positive variance because you can't really use another word. I think. Minnesota did get some luck in that Blue Jay series, but I think it lines up a little bit differently for the Twins because they have the starting pitching to match up, at least to give the Astros some fits outside of Joe Ryan, who I think should be scared to death of facing the Astros in game one if he does indeed get the start and it's not over, or even Maeda, who could end up starting for the Twins. I think there's you can make the case for any of those three pitchers, but they're all very get, close. Yeah, 100%. You think about in game one of Brewers D-backs, the what hit by pitch that was initially called that then Terang was going to be on bases loaded. Nobody out. It's four, four. All of a sudden replay review rightfully shows that Terang didn't get hit. And then Arizona gets out of the inning somehow, some way. And I know it's a, a disgustingly, non unpatient Brewers offense, <laughs> very, very tentative at the plate outside of maybe Carlos Santana, which is crazy to say when you look at what kind of hitter he is and maybe relying so much on power, but he is and was one of the more patient hitters in that lineup. And Christian Yelich and William Contreras for through the latter part of that order, very, very much so unpatient, impatient. I should say it's early in the morning. All right. Sometimes your grammar doesn't come out right when you're lacking sleep. You go to game two. Carlos Santana led all first basemen, not just in the NL, but all first basemen in defensive run saved. Probably should have been a double play ball. I think off of Carroll's bat turns into a double and the D-back score four runs, I think, of a sixth inning and go on to win that game. Not that Milwaukee's offense was doing anything, as we've alluded to. But I think you could say that the positive variance that Arizona got in that wildcard series, especially considering they don't have the pitching that Minnesota has to go up against an elite offense. So I think there are similarities when you look at the context with two underdogs going into their respective divisional series. There's no way you could fathom a bet on Arizona for me. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think one more thing that we should throw out there that's a strike against Arizona in this spot. I, I they just so between like Gallon and, and Merrill Kelly, like I said, out pitching their peripherals is a thing for them. I think it's predictive, but when you're talking about guys who get a lot of weak contact, that is not the way to get the Dodgers out, man. They dude, everyone in that lineup, like well, at the top of the lineup anyway. Especially like when you talk about Mookie, how are these guys going to get Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman out? They square up everything, especially Freddie. He's going to be tattooing these guys. Yeah, and like as we hit on, and I pronounced incorrectly, and I as a grammar guy, bad Jerdo Major, I sometimes you just have a mess up and you move along on a podcast that you know. It's it's 9.30 in the morning or 10.30. Maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. But the Brewers lineup, it's, it's not comparable to what the Dodgers do to you. What Arizona did to Milwaukee is honestly more similar to what they're going to get now with this Dodgers lineup from a patience 
standpoint because they were taking pitches, especially against Corbin Burns, and made him work. And then he threw some very non-competitive pitches from the third inning onward. And Marte got behind one. Carroll got behind one, I think. So, uh, also, what's going to happen with Arizona behind the plate in this series? You're talking about one of the best defensive catchers in in baseball, right? And we don't know if he's going to play with concussion symptoms. Yeah, I didn't uh, see whether he's ready to go or not. So, um, I don't know what the Diamondbacks have as far as, like, depth there goes. And depth in the bullpen is poor as well. I think they have, like, maybe one or two guys you can trust. So, it's just going to be a massive uphill climb, man. I just don't really see it. Same as you. I, I think the Dodgers should should pretty much steamroll the Diamondbacks. There are reports that he is expected to start in game one, which is significant. Again, considering the defensive peripherals for him this season, but I still can't stomach a bet on Arizona. I'm sorry. So you're So the only series bet you're going to have among all four AL and NLDS matchups, Dodgers? Yeah, I like Dodgers minus 205 at uh, DraftKings. Okay. And I'll have a bet, most likely, on Baltimore in game one, assuming it is Bradish. Maybe our Discord subscribers, it is a free Discord channel. We are not tops. We'll see us go head to head once again in the MLB postseason. Can't wait. Can't wait for it. If you haven't checked out our NFL Week 5 betting breakdown, be sure to do so in our, whether it's podcast network, the lines, just search for the lines, Spotify, Apple, wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcast, or in our YouTube channel. Mo, any last words? As the baseball betting savant, I've yet to refer to you as that here on Beat the Closing Number, Baseball Edition, NL and ALDS Edition. Any last words? Only that, unlike you, I'm very, very excited for Braves, Phillies. Uh, that crowd is uh, legendary that they got in the Phils. So I, I think, dude, Minnesota's crowd was great against the Jays, too. You could tell they were so ready to win a postseason game, and, and, and they deserved it. So that was nice to see those fans get, get a nice. Dude, postseason baseball crowds are great. So when you get a good, good venue like that, yeah, I'm excited for when the Braves play on the road. That's, that's going to be fun. I hate you. I really do. As much as you, because I see it now, I'm glad you you went back to Braves Phillies. You have the line sweatshirt on right now. You wear that sweatshirt just as much as Steven is wearing Phillies gear in October. Is that fair to say? It's a good sweatshirt. All right. <laughs> That's, that, that pretty much proves my point. That's going to do it for this edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by thelines.com. Hopefully our viewers and listeners can say impatient for the rest of their lives and don't get that incorrect. I hate myself and will hate myself for the rest of eternity for saying unpatient on a podcast. And that is just as a journal guy and English guy, grammar guy, and somebody that is engaged to somebody that teaches English. I will never be able to live that one down. For Monawara, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Monawara. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. Thanks for watching and listening to another edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody.